The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Zion Primitive Baptist Church in Zion, Alabama. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. I want to welcome you today to the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. This podcast is an outreach of Zion Primitive Baptist Church, which is located in the Zion community near Gordo, Alabama. I'm Elder Chris McCool, and I serve as pastor of Zion Primitive Baptist Church. We are a congregation of believers in the sovereign grace of God where families worship together through the simple practice of preaching, praying, and singing. If you live in this area or are visiting here, we would love to have you attend worship services with us. We meet every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. and every Sunday evening at 5 p.m. and the first and third Wednesday evenings at 6.30 p.m. I'm happy to note that our daily podcast is featured on Grace Alone Radio, which you can find at gracealoneradio.net. You can find the schedule on the website, and you can also download an app to your phone so that you can listen wherever you are. Grace Alone Radio is a 24-hour streaming service which carries the message of God's sovereign grace around the clock and around the world. Zion Primitive Baptist Church is located at 9487 County Road 49, Gordo, Alabama. That's near the intersection of County Road 49 and Alabama Highway 159, about 10 miles north of Gordo, Alabama, and about 8 miles northeast of Reform, Alabama. If you're interested in finding more sermons, you can go to our website at zionpbc.com, that's z-i-o-n-p-b-c.com, where you'll find all of our posted sermons as well as a link to subscribe to our podcast. You can also subscribe to our website which will update you every time a new sermon is posted. Yesterday, we began a summary of chapters 15 through 31 of the book of Job. The reason for this is that the arguments made by the three miserable comforter friends of Job from here on out pretty much mirror their initial arguments. They build upon them and they get progressively harsher. And although they do speak some things that are true, they almost always misapply those truths. Job's answers to these arguments kind of build upon his original answers. And as we go through these arguments, we see that there's some self-righteousness and pride that Job has that needs to be dealt with. But we also see that Job has a hope that the others don't have. He has a better understanding of God, even though he does not have a perfect understanding of God. And he knows that his only hope is in the Redeemer that he declares in chapter 19, liveth. Join us as we continue in this book that teaches us so much about sufferings of this life and the role of God and the role of Satan. And I think we'll see by the end of this book that we can take some comfort from what God is doing and how he is ultimately overruling the wiles of Satan in this world. But first, we have a song selection that I hope you enjoy. After the song, please stay tuned for another message of God's sovereign grace from the Zion Primitive Baptist Church pulpit.
ever been down at the side of a, uh, the running water, maybe somewhere a creek or something, and you see those little reeds, and you know, all you gotta do is just mash them a little bit, and it'll, it'll, it'll just bruise it, and the whole thing will just fall over, you know. And especially if you've got one that's already bruised, all you gotta do is just a puff of wind would break it. You know what our Lord said? He said, and it was prophesied of him, that he would, he would be so gentle that he would not break the bruised reed. You know, the little smoking flax that you're trying to get a fire going, and it's just smoke. You don't even see a flame. All it would take is a puff of wind to blow it out. And our Lord is so loving and compassionate toward his children that he would not put that out. He would not cause that smoking flax to be quenched for anything in this world. And my point is this. Everything that Eliphaz is saying is true. And, and we need to see, always keep in mind that our God is high and lifted up and see him high and lifted up. But even when Isaiah saw him high and lifted up, you know what God did? He sent an angel to, to him. Because, you know, what, what Isaiah did, when he, what, what do we think immediately when we see God high and lifted up? Woe is me. Woe is me. I told Sherry today, I've been dealing. I don't know why. Today, I don't know if it's an attack of Satan or it's just something I need to work through, but I've been dealing with a sense of my depravity today like I hadn't in a long time. Just what a bad person I am. I mean, y'all don't know. <laughs> I'm glad you don't. <laughs> I don't want you to know how bad I am. I mean, the thoughts that come into my mind and the things I do and say and think, it just, it just afflicts me. And, and, and what really gets me going is when I think about our high and holy God seated in the heavens what he must think about me. But you know what brings me back to, you know, I'm, I'm like Isaiah. I see him. I have had a sense of him high and lifted up today. Woe is me, for I'm a man of unclean lips, and I dwell among a people of unclean clean lips, and mine eyes have seen the Lord, the King of glory. But you know what he did in, in Isaiah's trembling? He sent an angel down there with a coal of fire. He said, Don't despair. Cheer up, in other words. I've taken away your sin. He put that coal on his tongue. And, and you know, it burns, doesn't it? When a coal, if you put your tongue on a coal, it burns. But it, it was a cleansing thing. And, and I think what's happening here is Eliphaz and his friends, they, they have a view of God as sovereign. And they get that right. But Job's struggling. Job, I mean, think about the, 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 the scene here. This is Job in the dung heap with a shard of pottery. He's having to scrape these boils on his skin. I mean, can you imagine what the smell must have been and what the vision must have been and how the pain, you know he can't do it without crying out in pain. I mean, I've, I had the shingles one time and I thought that was torturous and this is, that was nothing compared to what he's got. Open boils and sores and his wife's already counseled him to curse God and die, probably not even around there, nobody there but these friends. And, and they're saying, you know, you are nothing to God. <laughs> and, and that's true. We're nothing, nothing in the sight of God, except that we're everything to God. You know, you know what we are to God? He tells us over the book of Deuteronomy that Jacob is my portion. Jacob is the lot of mine inheritance. Can you imagine that? And you know, I need to hear that sometimes. I need to be reminded of that. 
that he loved me with an everlasting love. He loved me. He had mercy that was from everlasting to everlasting. Before I was even a thought in my parents' mind, God, before the foundation of the world, had already purposed to save me. I know I've repeated, I've said this before, but uh, Brother Donald Parker, uh, who some of you know as a preacher around here, um, he said that I believe the Lord would have come to Calvary and died if I'd have been the only one in the covenant of grace. Now you think about that. I know it's a vast number that no man, it's a multitude that no man can number. But, but th make it, think about how personal that is. He, would have, he died not just for this mass of humanity, he died for you and me. And that's what Eliphaz and his friends are missing. And, and in chapter 22 here, after saying, look, basically you're nothing in God's sight, he then goes on to speculate about Job's sins. Look at verse 5. Is not thy wickedness great? Now think this is a man scraping himself with a pot shard. This is a man who is suffering more than anybody's ever suffered in their, in their experience. And, and she, he said, looks at him and says, Is not thy wickedness great and thine iniquities infinite? And then he goes on in verses 6 through 9 and lists these specific sins. And he says in verse 6, You've, You must have taken a pledge uh, of your brother from naught and stripped the naked of their clothes. Verse 7, you didn't give water to the weary. You've withheld bread from the hungry. And he goes on in verse 9, he said, you've got, I, I'm, I know you've sent widows away empty. You've, you've done that. The arms of the fatherless have been broken. You have been a wicked sinner, Job. And I believe he's speculating here. Because from the best I can tell from all of the four corners of this, of this book of Job, Job didn't do any of those things. If he did them, he didn't do it publicly where they could know it he's just making up things that he says you must have done this and in verse 13 he says you say how doth god know can he judge through the dark cloud in other words you think god doesn't know but he knows everything job oh boy you wicked sinner he knows all about your sins you know i i know he does know all about your sins okay I'd have a, I, and I know preachers that stand in the pulpit and pretty much lambast the congregation. And, and don't get me wrong, I'm going to call sin, sin, because that's what it is. Sin is exceeding sinful. It is exceedingly sinful. If, you, if there's something going on in your life that I'm aware of as your pastor, I'm going to try to come to you and try to help you. And I may admonish you, may exhort you, may try to correct you. But you're not going to hear me stand up here and say, y'all are a bunch of wicked sinners. Because, see, the problem with that is, I don't know if you know much about sound waves. I don't know much about them, but I know they bounce off walls. And when I say that, it goes right back to that back wall and bounces off that wall and comes right back to me. Because I feel like I'm the most wicked sinner among us. See, they'd forgotten that. Job, you're a wicked sinner. God knows all about it. But guess what, Eliphaz? So are you. And God knows all about you too. <laughs> That's why he says over in Galatians, I believe it's the sixth chapter, you know, there's a place for church discipline and for members of the church to go to other members and correct them. But notice what it says in chapter six of Galatians. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness. 
considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. You know, if you ever see, oh, my brother or my sister's doing something they shouldn't be doing, it's, it's, it's hurting the church or it's hurting the community, whatever, it's public offense of some sort. If you ever see the need to go to them, you better go back and read this and remember that when you go, you're not the great judge. You're not the almighty self-righteous one. You better go in meekness, considering yourself lest you also be tempted. Eliphaz could have really benefited from that verse right there. And now just as a quick aside, and we're not going to get this far as I wanted to get tonight, but, but I want you to notice in chapter 22 and verse 14, you remember me telling you that there are some rich truths in some of the things that these people, these men say that that aren't necessarily applied in the right way but they're true nonetheless notice what he says verse 14 thick clouds are a covering to him that he seeth not and he walketh in the circuit of heaven okay there's a place over in isaiah and i forget where it is i believe it's the 40th chapter but i'm not sure about that this 40th chapter about the 22nd verse where it tells us he sitteth on the circle of the earth now i know the scientists of this world accuse all of us who believe that the Bible is literally true of being backward, ignorant country hicks. <laughs> you know, oh, you can't believe there's so many errors in the Bible. Science has proven so many things that the Bible is wrong about. You know, you're old, a lot of people say, well, you use the Bible to prove there's a flat earth. I just read to you about the circle of the earth. Before Copernicus and and then Magellan, you know, and of course Columbus tried to prove that the earth, the earth was round, you know. He could have just gone back and read the Bible. <laughs> Here's the circuit of the heaven, you know. What's the, already talking about something round, you see. And he talks about it over in Isaiah, like I said. So this is proof that the Bible is accurate, even more accurate really than science. Now, look at verse 21. I'm going to come back to this because one of my plans, if the Lord will be our helper, is that we're going to come back to some of the things these men say that are very important and very true. And we're going to pull them out and just look at them and examine them. But notice what he says in verse 21. Acquaint now thyself with him and be at peace. Thereby good shall come unto thee. Now, I want to say to you that I know he's using this in a self-righteous um, harsh judgmental way but that is one of the truest statements in the word of God are you struggling tonight are you having trouble today do you have things you're facing in life if you will acquaint yourself with him with God you will find peace that passeth understanding and good will come to you it may not be the goods of this world but it will be good in the sense of spiritual good we'll come back to that later the Lord willing Verses 23 down through 24 and 25, notice he says, If thou return to the Almighty, thou shalt be built up, thou shalt put away iniquity far from thy tabernacles, then shalt thou lay up gold as dust, and the gold of Ophir as the stone of the brooks. What is that? That's just the prosperity gospel preached in Job's day. If you just do right, if you just do the right thing, if you'll just serve the Lord, you'll get all this money. All these material goods have come back to you. Verse 30, he shall deliver the island of the innocent, and it is delivered by the pureness of thine hands. Job, deliverance comes only by your own good works and purity. 
And that pretty much ends Eliphaz's uh, arguments against Job. Bildad also gets harsh. Back in chapter 18, in verse 2, notice what he says. Bildad, this is his second time to speak. And Bildad says to Job, How long will it be ere you make an end of words? Mark, and afterwards we will speak. In other words, I'm so tired of hearing you talk. If you'll shut up, we'll tell you what the truth is. <laughs> you're, you're just, you're, you talk too much, Job. And verses 5, and I'm going to leave these for you to read because uh, I, want you to, I want you to go back when you can and just read these chapters. Chapter, uh, verse 5 here in chapter 18, he starts talking about the light of the wicked will be put out, the spark of his fire shall not shine. He's telling Job about uh, uh, all these things that are going to come upon the wicked, and it's just, the re the, it's just rehashing the same old message. Hey, Job, the wicked don't prosper. The righteous don't suffer, therefore you must be very wicked, Job. And then over in chapter 25, we see the last speech by Bildad. And you notice it's only six verses. And he pretty much is summing up all of the things that they've said up to this point. He says... Um, in verse 4, how can man be justified with God? Or how can he be clean that is born of a woman? Behold, even to the moon, and it shineth not. Yea, the stars are not pure in his sight. How much less man that is a worm, and the son of man which is a worm. Every bit of that's true. Every bit of that's true. He's got the right stuff here, the right truths. But the problem is, he's got the wrong spirit. Notice what a harsh, judgmental spirit all three of these men have. You know, he gets depravity right, but apparently he's forgetting to include himself in the number of the depraved because he's acting so self-righteous. <laughs> and finally, I want us to look at Zophar. Go back to chapter 20. Zophar only speaks one more time. The other two speak three times. Zophar speaks twice. But I'll tell you, if you remember Zophar's first speech, it was the harshest of all. So he pretty much got it all out of his system then, I guess. So in chapter 20, notice in verse 5, and this is another one that I want to come back to uh, maybe next time. Notice he says, well, verse 4, Knowest thou not this of old, since man was placed upon the earth, that the triumphing of the wicked is short, and the joy of the hypocrite but for a moment? <laughs> now, he's essentially telling us the truth here uh now here here's there's no doubt that's true we're gonna we're gonna come back and look at that I, I really i'm really looking forward to taking some of these verses out and looking at them and lord willing we'll do that next time as i said but notice that he says the triumphing of the wicked is short that's true but the problem is zophar's definition of short and god's definition of short are two different things you think about, you think about, the, you know, I always, over in the book of Galatians, he says, vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. In other words, leave vengeance to God. 
Somebody says, well, I tried that one time and it didn't work out. <laughs> well, you hadn't waited long enough. <laughs> you hadn't waited long enough. Whatever. If that person is a reprobate, particularly if he is not a child of God, then ultimately their rejoicing and their triumphing will be short. You say they're 80 years old and they're still benefiting. They're still prospering. What is 80 years in light of eternity? What is 100 years in light of eternity? We're told in the book of Peter, and here I am preaching already from this verse like I said I was going to later, but we're told in the book of Peter that a day in, with the Lord is as a thousand years and a thousand years is a day. What's the Lord said? I'm going to take care of that old boy in one day. You say, well, he didn't today. A thousand years hadn't passed, has it? <laughs> Not yet. You see, it is true that the triumphing of the wicked is short. And we're going to look at that, as I said, a little bit later. But the problem is, so far was thinking in terms of his finite mind and his life. Notice in verses 19 down through the end of that chapter, he just lists the portion of a wicked man from God. Verse 29, this is the portion of a wicked man from God and the heritage appointed unto him by God. He, he goes through all these things. Verse 19, because he hath oppressed or forsaken the poor, violently taken away a house, surely, verse 20, he shall not feel quietness in his belly. He shall not save of that which he desired. But you know, we're going to see in chapter 73 of the Psalms that the psalmist was concerned because all the wicked were prospering. All the wicked were having an easy time. I don't know what news you're watching or what TV stations you're watching, but the things I'm seeing are that the wicked are prospering today. They're prospering more today than they ever have. Wicked men, wicked women, wicked people in general, the wicked forces of this world are prospering. That happens. And Job understood that. But these men didn't. They thought that these people that are prospering must really be children of God. You know, that was a real problem. Now, I'm going to close with this. That was a real problem among the Calvinists of years past. It still can be a problem today. But the Huguenots of France and um, even the Puritans and some of them, they began to equate righteousness with material prosperity. You know, that, that old um, Calvinist work ethic, and it was a good thing, you know, that a work ethic is, is good, and therefore if you work hard and you make money and you, you're, you're blessed, that means you must be a child of God. I must be one of the elect of God because I've got a good salary, you know. Well, I'm sorry. That's not the way it works. Some of the most righteous men that I know, I could name you a preacher right now who has nothing. And I don't mean he's got a little bit. He's got nothing. Living in a borrowed house, living on the gospel, but not very much material things, one of the most righteous, blessed preachers that I know. And if you looked at his bank account, you say, boy, he just must not be an elect of God <laughs> under that way of thinking. Child of God, that's not the way it works. Here, again, Zophar and Bildad and Eliphaz, they all got this idea that Job is a wicked sinner and that's why he's suffering. You know, that's why I don't want to go through it line by line, although I like to do that normally. We're just going to be repeating the same things we've already seen. Lord willing, next time, 
we'll deal with some specific verses out of these speeches that are true and try to put them in the right context. And then, Lord willing, we're going to look at Job's response. And, and, and just a little preview of that. We've already seen a little bit in chapter 14. Where was Job's hope? Job's hope was in the resurrection. But Job knew he was a depraved sinner. He needed somebody to save him. And oh, the 19th chapter, I think, is just the greatest, one of the greatest chapters in the Scripture. Because we're going to see in the 19th chapter that Job sets forth the hope that has been the hope of every child of God through every age of time and ought to be our hope today. I know that my Redeemer liveth and that he shall stand in the latter day upon the earth. And yea, though the skin worms destroy this body, yet in my flesh shall I see God. Thank you for joining us today on the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. I hope the message has been uplifting and beneficial to you and that the Lord will continue to bless you to grow in grace and knowledge of the truth. Join us again tomorrow for another message of God's sovereign grace. If you would like to subscribe to our website, please go to www.zionpbc.com and sign up for email updates. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact the church at zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. That's Z-I-O-N-P-B-C-1847 at gmail.com. Or you can email me directly at jchrismacool at gmail.com. That's the letter J-C-H-R-I-S-M-C-C-O-O-L at gmail.com. Again, thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you is my prayer. We thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com.